0: The foundation I had in high school and, and college uh, caused me to really love education, to love to be a part of the process, and to love the interaction with the kids. Like that's been the hardest thing about this quarantine for me is, I you know I, I'm not a hyperdocs kind of guy. I'm not a nerd out on reading and and uh, you know creating new strategies kind of guy. I, I like interacting with the kids. I, I consider myself old school in that. Aspect and and that's taken from all of us right now. So, again, the and, and I think that comes from the teachers I had in high school. Um, George Glossner was my AP U.S. History teacher when I was a junior, and he was loud and funny and half vulgar sometimes, and just a really captivating person. And someone like him made me think being a teacher was a pretty cool profession. And so, you know, it, it had a lot of impact on on me uh, and and throughout my career. So.
1: Yeah. And, you know, and you, th- you think about that, I, I'm I'm big on that too. I, I do believe that a lot of what we do in class, it purely just on content knowledge, we could probably be replaced by a few books and good documentaries. But in terms of the skill side, I think it's a lot harder for students to develop their speaking and listening skills, the interpersonal skills, even, even writing. Um, While well, you can do it on your own, I think it always goes better when you can work with a person and get feedback. Yeah. And so a lot of the skills piece and certainly a lot of the social Social development, personal development is really, I'll say a struggle. I don't want to say that it's impossible or not going to happen, but I think it's very difficult to do those things as well through this distance model. And I think it's probably tricky for, say for us, and then maybe more specifically think about older teachers, maybe a little closer to retirement. Like this is a, this is a hard shift for them to think about how to continue doing their job. Yeah, I, I just, you know, I agree. I think maybe sometimes we have that, a teacher or two that has a big impact on us personally, academically, professionally. It's hard for me to imagine how you continue to have that kind of impact through the current distance model. You know, like what what would that guy have done if you were in this situation?
0: I don't know. I'm excited about the synchronous, uh, I guess that's the right way to say it. The, the fact that we're able to have Google Meets um, next week, I'm excited about that.
1: Yeah, I I agree. And that's one where as we've gotten more guidelines on, you know, instruction and recording it or posting or posting notes or whatever, I'm I'm pretty, you know, at least for now, until the guidelines change again, I'm pretty set on the idea that I want to create the content separate. And if there is like a little lesson or a mini lecture I need to do, I'm just gonna record it ahead of time so that when we do those live discussions, we're just hanging out. We're just gonna talk. Ask whatever questions you want. I'm not going to directly teach you anything. And that way, if a kid can't attend, they're not at any real disadvantage. But I do think that discussion is important. And maybe that's a thing that's lacking for a lot of us. Um, I don't know. Your wife's also a teacher, right?
0: Yeah, she teaches biology at Woodgrove.
1: Right, right. You know, maybe you guys are both in similar situations, but I talk a lot and my job makes that easy to do. You know, you see so many different kids in the day in the hall in the room. I've been looking, I've been branching out into Twitter and things just because like my wife can't stand to listen to me talk anymore, <laughs> 30 days at home. So that's the, the live meetings are going to be good. So, all right. For what did, what did you major in in college? way? did you major so, uh, in history?
0: Social sciences,
1: social sciences, uh, yeah, that's what,
0: like the catch all major where you can teach everything from sixth grade to 12th grade in social studies, right? Most of my concentration was in uh, political science though.
1: Okay, is AP Gov your favorite class to teach?
0: Oh, absolutely! I was lucky enough in my second year of teaching to get uh, to teach AP Government, and I've had it ever since. So, just a fascinating class to see kids discover themselves, to see kids discover alternate viewpoints, to to see kids become more involved in the in the system uh, is very rewarding for me. Uh, yeah. You know, with with history, every time you teach the Civil War, it ends up the same way. Right. right you know who's going to win the revolution but with political science i basically teach them a system we evaluate a system and then things that we can't explain happen you know i remember telling my kids that there was no way that donald trump would win the republican primaries because you know jeb bush and the, the other old pros knew the knew the tactics they knew the game and and that it, you know waging a campaign through twitter just wasn't going to win and i was as the president would say, wrong, you know. <laughs> and so, you know, so things are always redeveloping in political science. And it's fascinating to study it and discuss it and and discover it with the kids as our world is changing.
1: Right. Yeah. And then to keep it live. That's actually where my my favorite class is AP English language and composition. You know, I've got three sections this year. And the, the whole the whole thing is just argument. The whole thing is just rhetoric. So I, I always tell them, you know, this is a skills class. There's very little content knowledge. The AP exam doesn't ask about terms. It's can you read, think critically, write analytically or persuasively, but it's all argument, you know? And so I have some, you know, we can do anything. If, as long as it involves words, we can use it. You know, it's fair game. And so we do a little bit of everything with it. And one of the things that I'm having kids work on for those AP classes is a book. Uh, I picked four books all about being wrong. One of them is actually called Being Wrong. And so I'm ready to start the conversation next week because before schools closed, kids kept asking me, "What do you think is going to happen?" I'm like, ah, I don't know, we might close down for a little bit. I don't know, you know." And I was—I I think in retrospect, I was working from inferior information and I was maybe also being a little too optimistic, but I have this like great personal example of like I am ready to talk about how I was wrong very recently about kind of a big deal and that's something we're, we're going to work through so while I don't necessarily want to work them directly on pandemic issues, I don't want to create any stress or problems, I can certainly talk about our response to it, it are you guys like can you or will you use? Any of the current events of like what the government can or can't do in terms of, say, quarantines or public safety or things like that? Is that a part of what you're planning?
0: Oh, right now is a treasure trove and federalism and uh, executive powers uh, and many things to teach. But you're exactly right, because our principal asked us to be careful about the pandemic and directly referencing this as it can can really be hard on the kids. Uh, but I'm thinking next year when we talk about powers of the federal government versus the states, uh, this is going to feed nicely into to federalism, you know, with a presidential stay home order uh, versus each individual governor's police powers. You know, because the Constitution is on the side of the states when it comes to the health related laws, the safety related laws, the police powers of the state. Uh, you know, a president could not mandate that everything opens. You know, right. during an during an emergency, they can take over a city. They can take over the media. They can take over the mail during, you know, like you know, wartime powers, like during the Civil War. But they can't come in and force a governor to to open up a a state or a town or or anything like that. So definitely a lot of really good lessons, a lot of good videos out there, and I'm sure it'll it'll be like you know we've used September 11th as a teaching tool uh, with the Patriot Act and civil liberties for the last 20 years now. Um, I'm sure that this will be, you know, when the times appropriate, this will be another valuable teaching tool going into the future.
1: Yeah. That's one where there's, um, cause now, you know, with the changes in the AP exams, we're just going to write one 45 minutes to write one essay. Um, you know, you guys are in the same situation and it's the rhetorical analysis. You analyze someone else's argument. And there's actually a guy who wrote a book about the 1918 flu pandemic, And they used uh, maybe 10, I don't remember, 8 years ago, 10 years ago in an AP exam, they used an excerpt from an article he wrote. So it's not from the book, but it's like something he wrote about the same topic. And in it, he's not directly addressing the flu pandemic. He's talking about like, I forget, it's the public response or political response or something like that. And there's this huge debate between AP Lang teachers about whether whether you use it or not because it relates. It's not specific to any health concerns or the rest. And some people say, no, it gets too close. You're going to upset people you're playing with fire. And other people are like, you're handing away a great opportunity to use exam materials, to use the current events, you know, and, and I sort of fall on the side that we should be cautious, but I think, I think it's a disrespect to your students to ignore the situation they're in. If you treat it like, we can't talk about this because I don't think you can handle it. If I don't trust my students to have an intelligent conversation, then they shouldn't trust me to teach them anything either. But I do think that there's a line there and I I think that's tricky and and it's probably a bigger deal for you in government than it is maybe for me because so much of what you're teaching deals with the current events. Do you guys, for any of that, I mean, either in terms of how far you're willing to go in those conversations or in terms of like the exam prep, how much do you feel like the current situation is going to dictate those conversations?
0: It's going to dictate those conversations a lot. And I I feel like your course and my course align nicely Um, as far as kids being able to make those arguments, being able to make counter arguments and and rebuttals and stuff like that. That goes right into our argumentative essays. You know, it goes right into being a good citizen, you know, And, and you, you touched on how, you know, how delicate this could be but you're right the kids are smart they they have access to more things than than we would believe they're they're doing things on social media that we're not even caught up on yet and you know to glaze over that this pandemic is happening like you said is a, is disrespect to them so you know that that uh, spanish flu question that you're talking about with the excerpt from the article i think that's fantastic i think it's a pull from the past i think you know it may be a little bit on the line but but i i think i'd be okay with that you know that's comparing a political response from you know a decade ago or not a decade but a century ago and it's fascinating to me So I I think so.
1: Yeah, I, you know, and this is also where I think as teachers we we need to be cautious because obviously we have people we answer to and, and rules maybe that we need to be following etc but we probably also need to be aware that when you get a blanket statement that covers an entire school division That's including elementary, middle, and high school. And so recommendations about how much or how little to discuss, say, shutdowns or health issues are probably different when we're talking about third graders versus juniors or seniors in high school. And if we can't intelligently or responsibly differentiate between the two, um, then, you know, we're probably doing someone a disservice along the way there. Um, You know, so... Hopefully we find the the middle ground.
0: Yeah. Well, my, my kids, and I'm sure you, it's the same for you, but my kids are unbelievably brilliant. Um, They have an understanding of of issues and the world that many of us don't. Uh, I know I certainly didn't when I was 17 or 18 years old. So you're exactly right that, that, you know, what a, what a high school senior can understand and discuss and deliberate, you know, obviously is is not the same thing that a third grader could so that's a great point and and I think whenever we can teach these real world, world moments as long as it's appropriate we should we should be all for it.